Good morning to all of you, Pranam, for the ones connected online as well. And greetings from Sri Chaitanya Dam in Finland. We are sharing with some of the devotees here for the last days and for the next days we will be speaking a little bit, some words in connection to the contributions of the six Goswamis to Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Especially since today we are starting this series by suggestion and inspiration of Brikupad Prabhu. Um, since also we are celebrating today the divine disappearance of Sri Gopal Bhatta Goswami, one of the six Goswamis. So it's a good way of good entry point to try to elaborate, and, which is the contribution mm-hmm. of the six Goswamis to Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So this will be today, tomorrow, and the day after tomorrow. Twice a day we will try to discuss some ideas that may come in, in connection to this. So, <clears throat> where to begin? The, the contribution of the six Goswamis, I mean, the six... Sorry. This may go... Water. Okay. Yes, yeah, maybe because... One second. I think it should be okay. Just in case. Thank you. <laughs> so, which is the contribution of the six Goswamis to Gaudiya Vaishnavism, or the contributions? Plural. Good. Good point. <laughs> well, the Goswamis in themselves are are. A contribution. So it's an important point to mention before starting to speak about their contribution. They are the contribution. <laughs> they are a contribution in every sense of the term. They are, according to our Gaudiya perspective, they are nitya sitas. So they are contribution in the sense that are they are directly coming from the nitya dam, from the nitya lila, to contribute <laughs> here to, to make their own selves as offer themselves as contributions to Gaudiya Vaishnavism in the world. Of course we we can speak about their contribution in the Nitya Lila because again they are already there for forever they're contributing to the cause <laughs> of the Lila, to the cause of Mahaprabhu, Nitinavadu, to the cause of Sri Sirada, Govinda and Sri Brajadam. But also again as as, as Bhagavan descends constantly on earth to ex- to perform his Lila both in Braj and Naudvip, they are contributing in the form of being uh, parisats. Parisats means retinue, retinue in English, eternal retinue, without which there is no lila, strictly speaking. So, in one sense, you can say the contribution of the Goswamis is that they are allowing the lila to happen. I mean, of course, themselves and every single parishad or associate, without which, again, we cannot speak in terms of Lila, we cannot speak in terms even of, of Bhagavan. Because who is Bhagavan without 
associates. As, as what Guru Maharaj will say, we can speak in terms of Brahman, all pervading effulgence, but there's nobody there. What to speak of someone interacting with someone else in the context of Prem? I mean, that's another layer, another dimension, and for them, uh, Shakti is, is required. Shakti needs to be operating there in a very crucial way, sort of Shakti in the form of these eternal associates that we consider them as, as the Goswamis themselves present the idea as ragatmikas. Mm-hmm. So that's one important way to begin. What's the contribution of the Goswamis? Or how the Goswamis are themselves a contribution? They are ragatmikas. Mm-hmm. They are different type of people, if you will. <laughs> they are beings constituted not of Tatasta Shakti, but their whole Atma, the whole being, Atma can mean body, mind, self, soul, and so on, it's Raga. They are made of Raga. That means they are made of passionate attraction and affection for Krishna from from day one, if you want to speak in terms so-called linear time chronological. There's no day one, but... So they are this eternal retinue who are to be followed by us. I mean, we can start, we, we start to, to unfold the, the whole idea of, of the Goswamis, which of course it's impossible not to speak about the Goswamis and not to speak about Mahaprabhu and not to speak about Raga Nuga Bhakti, what Mahaprabhu came to establish in the world. Hmm? Raga Marga Bhakti Loki Kariti Pracharan. Can I ask you some water, please? Premarasani Riyasa Kariti Ashwadam. So Mahaprabhu came to, to taste came with his own agenda, with the whole project of his own, of his own to taste, Prema Rasani Rayas, to, to taste the limits, if you will, of Radhava, and, uh, and to establish the consequence of that in the form of Raganuga Bhakti. Raganuga Bhakti. Thank you so much. Hmm. <coughs> In our last meeting in, in the Brahma Gita, we were studying some of the prayers of, of the immediate reply of, of Udav after Sri Radha sang her Brahma Gita, her song to the bumblebee. And, and one of the prayers Udav is saying to her, or to the gopis in general, and to her in particular, then, that uh, the, the degree of love that you have exhibited now and that I have, been, have the fortune of witness eventually will be known around the world and will be... I mean, you're glor- basically he's saying eventually a whole process will be established in the w- following the wake of your affection. And of course, that's called Raganuga Bhakti. And Srila Rupa Goswami defines Raganuga Bhakti as following the Ragatmikas, basically. So without Ragatmikas, there is no... We cannot speak about Raganuga Bhakti. We have nothing to do here, basically. <laughs> You take the ragadmikas out, and there's no more raganuga bhakti. So we are just thrown to Vaikuntha or something like this, with all respect <laughs> to the Ajvarya Dham. So these Goswamis, going back, they are hmm, in the Nityadam in Braj, of course, they appear as Manjari, Rupa Manjari, Lavanga Manjari, Tulasi Manjari, and so on. And also <clears throat> in Gorlila, they appear as the six Goswamis. So they are our role model to follow. Interestingly, if we want to speak in terms of 
uh, Raganuga Bhakti and the attainment of Braj. Of course, they are the role model to follow, especially if one has some affinity towards what uh, it's called Bhavalasrati or Manjari Bhav. But besides what affinity we may have, different than that, or even the same than that, all of them are the role model to follow in terms of Gaur Lila. So no matter if you have, you may have eventually some affinity towards Sakya Madhuri or whatever, as Guru Maharaj will have to say, first you have to have some affinity for the Dasya of Gaur Lila. If you don't have a taste for that in the context of your Sadaka Deha, there is not too much to speak about entrance into, into the Braja Lila. So again, the Goswamis are crucial in that sense as well. Not only they are the role model to follow in the Braja Lila, but as Guru Maharaj will say, they are the role model to follow in the Gaur Lila. So we will begin, of course, by addressing Gaur Lila. This is our tradition first. This is our form of Gaur Chandrika, of beginning with those invoking auspiciousness in the context of Gaur Lila, and eventually we will, of course, naturally be transported into the other face of Gaur Lila called Krishna Lila. <laughs> so, so, of course, if we speak about the contribution of the six Goswamis in connection to the Gaur Lila, we have to speak about Mahaprabhu. Because, again, in the same way as, as the six Goswamis are in themselves a contribution, their very being is Raga, Atmika, it's made of Raga. Their very being is a contribution, the very body, mind, it's a total contribution to the, for us to follow eternally. Uh, they are the facilitators of what Mahaprabhu came to experience. No? So that's it's very important to speak about what Mahaprabhu, who Mahaprabhu is. No? What's the contribution of Mahaprabhu? Naturally, that will take us. What's the contribution of the Goswamis? Because you cannot separate one thing from the other. So today, I, I will prefer to concentrate today in the morning at least. In this direction, what's the contribution of Mahaprabhu and therefore what's the contribution of the Goswamis as the masterminds of the Sampradaya or as our Guru Maharaj will put the architects of the Gaudiya Sampradaya that are making the waterfall of, or volcanic eruption of Mahaprabhu's expression into a peaceful lake we can bathe and benefit from and not get just scared and run away <laughs> because of being so overwhelmed. So, <clears throat> so Mahaprabhu is described by Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami in, in his Chaitanya Charitamrita as Paratattva Simma. That's a very interesting expression. And Krishna is known as Braja Krishna, our Krishna in the Bhagavatam is known as Swayam Bhagavan. So there, there is a whole galaxy of gradation there, no? what to speak of God, no? as we say the other day, to say God is total abstraction yet for us Gaudias. Which God? Which face of God? Oh, Krishna. Which Krishna? <laughs> Surrounded by which type of Bhav, which corresponds with which type of Lila and stage and associates and mood. Everything is so specific. No? Our path is the path of specificity. So it's, it's, it's important to bear that in mind. Not to go mad about details, but as the more we progress, the more we'll be, we will become obsessed with details in, in a healthy way, of course. 
no, not being paranoid about putting the glass like this and like that, uh, or, or, or changing my, my pictures in the bag, it's okay, no problem. <laughs> but being obsessed with a particular detailed way of addressing the absolute and serving and offering some pleasurable service, anuko seva. Anukul seva means favorable service. But favorable doesn't mean just not unfavorable. <laughs> I, I don't want to kill Krishna like Kamsa, so it's favorable. My approach is favorable. Yes, but there's so many gradations as favorability or whatever the word may, may be created in this moment. <laughs> so the more we enter it, we will closer to the object of our affection, the more specific, of course, the, the relation has to, to turn, to become. So, while Krishna, for us, in Braj, is the highest face of divinity, is the um, Purnatama, the most complete form of the Absolute, Krishna himself, in itself, is complete, whatever he may be, even in Dwarka, Rupa Goswami says he's complete, but in Vrindavan, he's the most complete. <laughs> so he can be more complete than complete, because of the particular type of affection he has there, and Bhagavatam describes his Swayam Bhagavan, his God, when God wants to be Himself devoid of all this, uh, how do you say, burden of divinity, if you will. I mean, still remains somewhere outside of the branch, that burden, but He Himself is carefree at home, basically. So Krishna, in that sense, Sila Prabhupada has been called Him the Supreme Personality of Godhead, which is a very interesting term, because, again, we ourselves have so many nuanced of personalities in our own self. I mean, we are someone, but we are so many in that someone. I mean, we are some person with your mother, with your daughter, another person, granddaughter, wife. When the wife is angry, it's another thing. You no, know, different races are there as well. You know, different phases of the non-absolute, or to speak about phases of the absolute. But Krishna is the supreme personality, the supreme moment in the personality of of the absolute, you know, when the, 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 the ultimate <laughs> phase of individuality reaches the peak in God, that's Raja Krishna. But Krishna Dakaraswan said Mahaprabhu is Paratatva Simma. Paratatva Simma means the ultimate limit of the absolute. And in the context of he's speaking about Krishna, Krishna Daskaviras, and then he says Mahaprabhu is Paratatva Simma. So Krishna is Supreme Personality of Godhead and Mahaprabhu is Supreme Personality of Krishna. <laughs> when God wants to be Himself, He is Krishna. When Krishna wants to be Herself, <laughs> He becomes Mahaprabhu, something like that. <laughs> so, so this is a very unique contribution without speaking yet about the Goswami, just speaking about Mahaprabhu. The contribution of Mahaprabhu has to do, of course, what he's giving to the world. We are speaking from our particular side. What's his contribution to us? Uh, but his contribution, of course, is intimately tied with his, with what he's coming to, to experience for himself. But at, at, whatever he wants to experience for himself, I mean, the nature of Bhagavan is he's not selfish. So it's not that oh, well, I will I try that for myself and nobody else will be benefited by that. That cannot happen. Because that's not the nature of Bhagavan. Bhagavan is like the, 
like the stomach or like the root of the tree. No, no matter, it seems he's taking everything, eventually everyone ends up being blessed, blessed by that. So similarly, Mahaprabhu may have his own Krishna, as, as Gaur Sundar has his apparent separate agenda of tasting Radhabhav. And yeah, it's, it's his project. We are not trying to taste Radhabhav as he is trying. But somehow or other, the whole universe becomes thrown into the included into the project, no? sprinkled by the consequences of his uh, tasting, his overflow, as Gurmaraj will say. Krishna's tasting something, it starts to overflow, you say? Overflow, overflow, overflow. And there we are, being sprinkled by that mercy, what we call Guru Parampara, and that's why we are here, because of that sprinkling, no? which is not a mere sprinkling. No, now it's raining profusely, so we can create a parallel there. It's like a very profuse, condensed rain, which is there. Coming to us through Sri Guru. Sometimes this is the analogy given as we were singing today in the morning. Samsara dhavana lalita lokatranaya karunyaga naganatvam. So the, the, the analogy is made there. The mercy of the Guru is like a very thick, condensed rain cloud of mercy. So sometimes rain cloud the water in the rain, I mean, the clouds are made by invisible ingredients that the air getting together and eventually that forms a cloud and water comes from that. But all that started by something that you cannot see, you cannot put your finger on, and eventually becomes so concrete and so beneficial. Whole Finland is celebrating today because of the <laughs> rain. <laughs> so long without rain here. So similarly, Sometimes for us the mercy of Krishna or Krishna himself may be like an invisible reality, like an abstraction in our particular situation. Where is Krishna? But when that invisible reality becomes condensed in a particular way, <laughs> it takes the form of a cloud, and that's what we call Sri Guru. And that rains on us in a very concrete way. We really can take advantage of that as we could not just from air, if you will. <laughs> so similarly, that's how uh, this overflowing and sprinkle of Mahaprabhu's own experience is reaching us mm -hmm. through parampara. It's important to make that point. And of course, again, the Goswamis are instrumental in, in all this as well. So Krishna Das Kavirat Goswami considers, mm -hmm. although Braji Krishna, he makes this case in Chaitanya Charitamrita, of course, by speaking about Krishna Das Kaviraj, somehow I'm including him in the contribution of the Goswamis. Of course, we may concentrate most on the six Goswamis, but we sometimes hear about the eight Goswamis or seventh Goswami in another type of classification. So there are many Goswamis over there that we are being blessed by. Krishna Das Kaviraj is one of them who, very interestingly, um, after the Goswamis, after the establishment of what the, now I'm going a little bit ahead for a moment after the Goswami Granta, which are our Mula Grantas, our root text in the Gaudiya Sampradaya, he kind of elaborated on that, presented that, of course, in accessible Bengali, but also elaborated certain points that were not uh, explicitly elaborated by the Goswamis, which have to do with the ontology of Mahaprabhu himself. The Goswamis, as we know, they did not write too much about Mahaprabhu, but some Chaitanyasta come here and there, depicting in a very summarized way his his lila on earth. Um, 
but not so much about the ontology of Mahaprabhu and what to speak, the ultimate reason for Mahaprabhu's descent, tasting Radhava, all this is not found in the books of the six Goswamis, explicitly. Of course, implicitly, as our Guru Maharaj will say, the Goswamis very expertly wrote about Radha Krishna Lila, but in such a way that at one moment you will start to ask which question? Where is Gorlila? <laughs> so they wrote about Krishna so expertly that it, 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 so intuitively, I will say intuitively, that gets you takes you to know Krishna in such an intu- intuitive way that at one point you say, oh, where is Mahaprabhu? Mahaprabhu has to be there. It has to be the natural extension of Krishna Lila. Sometimes Gorlila is called the Parishista Lila. Parishista means like epil- epilogue, epilogue Lila. No? Like you cannot publish the book without that epilogue. I mean, because again, as Guru Marshall said, Krishna Lila will be just a, a failure without such a crucial chapter. So, Mahaprabhu is this Paratattva Simma. It's Krishna extending his own, I mean, getting to know himself from, as we know, <clears throat> the unique perspective of Radha So, it's Krishna having a much more comprehensive experience of himself. So, it's Krishna being conscious of Krishna, Krishna Chaitanya, in a way that he was not conscious of himself. So, in that sense, Krishna Das Kavrat Goswami, like, like, thinks, he's high, I mean, of course, we don't want to think think in terms lower, higher, and trying to establish this Krishna and Mahaprabhu like two different personalities because that can happen. Even though we may say Mahaprabhu and Krishna are the same person, it's not so easy to realize that. It's really not so easy. Not so easy. And we should, of course, pray to to get closer to that insight. In which sense they are one? How they are one? And of course how they are different at the same time. So, again, Mahaprabhu, Krishna Chaitanya Dev, he is Paratattva Simha, the ultimate limit of the Absolute, tasting what none other form of the Absolute tasted before. And therefore, himself, as what he is, his contribution, what he is about, that's the greatest contribution to the world. And therefore, the Goswamis, who are the facilitators of that contribution, are in themselves the greatest contributors. Mahaprabhu is called also in, in Chaitanya Charitamrita Data Siromani. So, Data Siromani means like the crest jewel of givers. So, again, what he is given, what he is about, he is given. He is given what he is about. And what he is about is, again, the highest possible reach of the Absolute, which has no limit as well. Sometimes, I was speaking with Guru Maharaj some time back, and, and, and he always uses to refer to the last verse of Sikshastakam in relation to what Krishna Das Kaviraj mentioned. Oh, here this verse was spoken by Radha. So, Mahaprabhu was successful, finally. At the very end, last chapter of Chaitanya Charitamrita, he did it. He tasted Radha Bhav fully. But of course, at the same time, we were sharing this idea. It's never possible to fully taste Radhava. In the sense of, I mean, it's bot- bottomless ocean. 
an ending experience. It's not that, okay, now I tasted it fully. No more rather up to taste now remaining. It's not possible. So that's why, and that's the main reason, and, 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 and he agreed with this point, the main reason why Gorlila has to be eternal is because there is no end to the experience of tasting Radhavav. And therefore Krishna is eternally dedicated to experience that in Nityanavadu. Hmm. But of course, at the same time, in the, in the Bhoma Lila, there was this unfolding of Mahaprabhu's experiencing Radhavav more and more and more exponentially and reaching the high point in the Gambira. So... He's like his golden volcano, in the words of Srila Siddhar Maharaj. It's not so, it may not sound very user-friendly to go and embrace an erupting volcano. I mean, you may take a picture from some kilometers away and upload it in your Instagram or something, and you put, oh, I'm with the volcano here, but not so close. Srila <laughs> <clears throat> Maharaj will say, he's like a golden volcano erupting in ecstasy with its lava, lava consuming everything on its way. It sounds like, like, yeah, apocalyptic and poetic at the same time. <laughs> because we are to be consumed by that lava, no? that's the very idea of being part of the parampara. We'll be carried by those, those currents. So the Goswamis are those who, who basically, I mean, what Mahaprabhu is about is so intense that I will say he needed the, the help or what he's trying to be about at every moment, he needs the help, he needed the help in, in the context of the Lila here, of Brahmananda and Swarup Damodar, to constantly, like, how do you say, two, 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 two tors? Two, two, is it in English? Two, two That's a verb also, right? To tutor. To tutor him, no? In the Gambira. So it was just, just okay, I will sit and taste Radhavav, no? The whole retinue is required for that to happen in himself and as we know God other pundit as well he's tutoring by being how you say conspicuous by absence no? <laughs> more and more disappearing to the background in, in, in total group you know? but also we could say I remember that once I, I, I made that question to, to Guru Maharaj okay Mahaprabhu wants to taste Radhavav so he's taking the assistance mostly of Lalit and Bisaka in the form of Ramananda and Sarabdamala. But we could say that the ones who know better than anyone Radhavav are the Manjaris, in one sense. No, they, they, get, they, they have a vicarious experience that not even Sakis like Lalit and Bisaka had. They have access to certain intimate grove lilas that not even the Sakis have. So why are not the, the Manjaris? And in this case, the Goswamis in Gorlila assisting Mahaprabhu in the Gambira instead of Lalit and Bishaka. Do you follow my logic? The question came. And we were thinking about in those terms. Of course, also something that we... The conclusion basically was <coughs> that as, as, as Mahaprabhu needs assistance for tasting Radhavav, at the same time, there is... A, special assistant he needs to explain what that's about to the world, to, to, to make sense of that sprinkling that is overflowing him. And that's so crucial and so difficult to present that he, he needed the most expert ones for, for engaging in that particular task. You know, the managers in the form of Rupa and Sanatana and so on, establishing all the 
Gaudia Grantas and so on, which, because again, as, as much as he needs help for he himself tasting Radhavav, he needs help for someone to make, to explain that experience to others. And in one sense we could say, you need the closest one to, to explain that to others. I mean, I'm, 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 that's one form of thinking about it, of course. That's not the only one. So, the Goswamis are there for that. Of course, especially, we always emphasize Srila Rupa Goswami, as, 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 to the point of describing our tradition as Rupanuga. Raghunadas Goswami was the first, if I'm not mistaken, you correct me, Brigupan, to mention this concept of Rupanuga in our tradition. So we are to the ones who follow in the wake of or engage in Anugatya to Rupa Goswami and and his teachings. And uh, because the Goswamis, again, the contribution in this connection is they were so much fine-tuned, you say, with Mahaprabhu's inner wish. Sri Chaitanya Manovishtam Shabitam Jenabhutale Sayam Rupa Kadamahem Dadati Shrapanantikam. That's how Thakur Narutam is so very pronounced to Rupa Goswami, and I will say by extension the six Goswamis, but to one of his its heads, if you will, of his leaders, Rupa Goswami, as Sri Chaitanya Mano Abhishtam. Stapitam Yenabutale. That that's very clearly speaks about the contribution of the Goswamis. That says Sri Chaitanya Mano Abhishtam. The desire Abhishtam, which is in the manas, in the mind of Sri Chaitanya, stop it. I mean he knew that. Rupa Goswami knew what was in the mind of Mahaprabhu. Mind means desire. And desire means again which which were which are the three main desires that takes Krishna to taste, to come as Mahaprabhu. So to know the glory of Sri Radha's love, to see which is the beauty that she perceives in him and which is the joy that she um, derives by perceiving that. So these three desires got hold in the mind, if you will, of Krishna and that mind became Mahaprabhu. <laughs> Full of, the, of these three desires, really, this is the and, and Goswami is knowing what's in that mind. And stapitam yanabhutale. Stapitam yanabhutale means, therefore, they were able to establish that in the world. Bhutale, in this world, stapitam. They established Mahaprabhu's mind <laughs> on earth, basically. <laughs> what's in his mind, something so intimate, try to imagine, which is the innermost, deepest desire in the mind of Bhagavan. That was systematically established in the world in the form of a practice. That's what we call uh, Gaudiya Vedanta, basically. Gaudiya Vedanta means the mind of Mahaprabhu made accessible by the Goswamis. <laughs> That's a way of saying Gaudiya Vedanta, sorry. So, <clears throat> and of course, we spoke about that in Bulgaria some, some weeks ago. One of the main crucial chapters in Gaur Lila that show this is famous Gathiyatra uh, celebration, a very high point in the, in the Madhya Lila where Mahaprabhu is Krishna and Radhava hmm, making Jagannath who is hmm, Krishna in separation from Radha, Mahaprabhu is Krishna in the mood of Radha in separation from Krishna, hmm, each one making dancing the other if you will and at one point Mahaprabhu is starting to sing 
secular poetry in the midst of a religious assembly. No? A Brahmin, sannyasi, I mean, we don't have a clue. We have to travel in time and enter into the society of the time and what's expected from a Brahmin, sannyasi to to chant in a religious festival like Rath <laughs> And the conclusion, popular conclusion will, won't be just pick one verse from Kavya Prakash or some secular poetry and that narrates the love of the young boy for the young girl and offer that to the Lord of the Universe. That, that won't be the, the first option. But that was Mahaprabhu's Kirtan. Like Guru Mahesh will say, it's like if nowadays someone will start to sing, I don't know, some song from Michael Jackson or something to Sadbuch Mahaprabhu. Imagine today in the morning, Brigham uh, say, okay, you can sing now. And I start singing, who knows, I, I don't know what. <laughs> and Brigham will be like, Maharaj. <laughs> Till now everything was fine with you, but now I'm just, we are getting to know each other. <laughs> So Mahaprabhu started to sing this song and most of the present ones there were totally like overwhelmed, not understanding, bewildered, what's going on here? And so they say that mostly Swarup Damodar understood what's going on and Rupa Goswami. And as we know Rupa Goswami, what he did eventually was to write the verse of his own, translating, like putting subtitles to Mahaprabhu's mind, basically. <laughs> That's basically the role of the Goswami. There are subtitlers or subtitling Mahaprabhu's, again, inner mind, which externally takes the form of secular poetry. And it seems like, why is he saying that? Why he's doing that? Why he's shouting this or crying that and rolling on there? And they're like, sub subtitle. This is he, this is about, he's about this, he's about this. He, all these books, they wrote subtitles to this volcano, basically. So, as we know, and, and when Rupa Goswami wrote this verse, where he was really showing how Mahaprabhu's verse was not about a, a girl in separation from a boy, but basically rather in separation from Krishna when meeting in the solar eclipse in Kurukshetra, but not able to to meet in a comprehensive way because Raj is not here, <laughs> basically. Without the stage, we cannot have the drama, basically. You know? it's like, let, let's make the drama. Where's the stage? No stage, no drama. No. For the drama, you need the stage, you need the characters, you need all the, the different ingredients. So when Rupa Goswami wrote this verse, basically what he established, this is a very crucial moment in our Sampradaya, because that established this idea. Rupa Goswami, and by extension the Goswamis, as we will see, each one of them from their own respective contribution and empowerment, they came here to translate Mahaprabhu's experience to the world, to make that accessible to us, to make that relatable and unthinkable and, and unthinkable, and, and it's unthinkable as well, <laughs> accessible in some way or another, to, to make a practice out of that, basically to make a whole process that we call Gaudiya Vaishnavism. I mean, what's the Goswami's contribution to Gaudiya Vaishnavism? Well, they gave Gaudiya Vaishnavism. <laughs> it's not that they contributed to Gaudiya Vaishnavism. They contributed Gaudiya Vaishnavism, <laughs> to begin with. No? I mean, they themselves are contribution. <laughs> Gaudiya Vaishnavism is their contribution. <laughs> it's not that they gave something to that. They make that happen. I mean, that's what Mahaprabhu asked them. Please 
contribute Gaudiya Vaishnavism to the world by writing books, by opening temples, by establishing standards of practice and worship, and as we will see. So, when Rupa Goswami wrote this verse, this makes this point. Mahaprabhu, I will make the long story short, he wrote this verse and he put that to dry on the roof of his bhajan kutir and Mahaprabhu came one day, Rupa Goswami was not there, he found that verse and he was like embarrassed. I mean, you have to have adhikar to embarrass Mahaprabhu. <laughs> That's not so easy. <laughs> That's the highest form of services. No? When you have such an adhikar and such a, a reading of the inner mind of your istadevata or the object of your affection, that you get to read so much through, through whatever may be in between that they will be embarrassed. That's the highest form of service, basically, <laughs> in one sense. So, Mahaprabhu read that and Rupa Goswami came back later and he basically showed his approval and, and showed his mercy on Sri Rupa Goswami by chastising him in a loving way. He slapped huh? Rupa Goswami. So that that's the most intimate forms of interaction also Mahaprabhu slapping and saying how could how could you dare knowing me that much? I mean it's embarrassing. It's too much. I mean it's too much. I thought this is, I thought it was too intimate for anyone to know that, but of course, again, it's Krishna in the mood of Radha, and in front there is one Manjari, that of one of the many theological points there is, I mean, Radha has nothing to hide, can hide anything from the Manjaris, and, and that for she's not at all embarrassed in front of them, in one sense, no? That's a, the pranam mantra to the Manjaris, Tambular, Panapada, Mardam, Payudana, Divisara, Divir, so I offer pranam to the manjaris led by Srirupa who have such a loving intimate connection with Sri Radha that she's not at all embarrassed to and about anything in front of them. But she's embarrassed about some things in connection, for example, to Lalita and Bisak after she has, she rather has some loving meeting with Krishna and she will tell the manjaris, please, or she will tell Krishna sometimes, but help me to make up for my braid and the, all the ornaments because Lalita and Bisak are, the Sakis are coming and they will joke on me if they realize that I will, so you have to do it quickly, quickly. And Krishna may start to do it, there are many pastimes in that connection. You have to put the laka, how do you say? Lack. On, on, on my feet and, and Krishna will start and and take a pick up feather and lack and but it's too much for him. I mean it's too, too much mercy he's feeling, he's receiving too much he's starting to tremble and I say no, he doesn't know how to do it and he calls some manjari. You do it and you teach him how to do it. Oh, Krishna's like, Oh I'm teaching better from you. So in this way, <coughs> these manjaris have a very, uh, yeah, are the extend themselves basically of Srirada. No? Rupa manjari is the, the rupa, the beauty of Srirada, and it, in this way to say that each one of the names of the manjaris represent one extended attribute of her. So they really know, hmm? Radha Bhav, so they really know what Mahaprabhu is about, so they really know how to 
translate that to the world. And that that's important to bear in mind when the when we say, okay, I will read Bhaktira Samrita Sindhu, I will study Brihad Bhagavatamrita. What's really happening there? Who is the author? Who is the, the, the main uh, ins- source of inspiration behind the author? Why they are writing those books? I mean, there's a background to all that. It's not just, oh, there, there are the books on people's family, and that's all. Oh, there's a whole <laughs> surcharged background, emotional, ecstatic background. So these six Goswamis are really... It's another form. We are here in the in the realm of Sadbuj Goranga, so we can speak of the six Goswamis and Sadbuj Goranga. Another form of Sadbuj Goranga, six arms, <laughs> no, the six arms of Mahaprabhu extending in a particular way and reaching us in in, in a very unique form. So it's another way of speaking about that. At least being in the realm of Sadbuj Goranga, we will I'll take the permission to to do that. <laughs> So in this way, no, Rupa Goswami translated no, translated the, the mind of Mahaprabhu to such a way that he was embarrassed, but at the same time, of course, that embarrassment led to him to, to ask Rupa Goswami and the Radha Goswamis, establish what I'm about in the world, I mean, to the whole world. In one sense, we could say all this began to unfold in the Lila when Rupa Goswami made this verse. And Mahaprabhu said, oh my God. Sri Chaitanya Manobhistam, you know every corner of my mind. So therefore, Stapitam Janabhutale. Make that most intimate corner of my mind, establish that and flood the whole world with that. One little corner of the mind of Bhagavan (laughs) has the potential of creating a a flood, flood, you say? Extreme flood in the whole planet. So the Goswamis are the masterminds in this, the facilitators, and, and they have done that in a very expert way. You know? We will speak about that in, in these days, how they, uh, how they engage in this contribution, you know? from the perspective of Tatwa, from the perspective of Siddhanta, from the perspective of Rasa, from the perspective of, of, of Kavya, from the perspective of Lila, Valankar, from the perspective of Achar, Prachar, from the perspective of all the relative considerations that sometimes are to be engaged in, in the context of Prachar, from the perspective of dealing with social issues, social sensibilities, Barna Ashram, kings, uh, sponsors of different types, buying temples, writing paper, all this, from, from that to the heights of poetry and, and Rasa Shastra, all that was one same thing at the same time, what was their contribution to the cause of, of Mahaprabhu. And of course, naturally, uh, what, what we were speaking recently, how they... Because we read Bhagavatam, for us, Srila Jiva Goswami, as we will see in his Sandarva established, for us the Bhagavatam is the main granta, the main pramana, the main scriptural evidence, Srimad Bhagavatam. But the point is, we will argue <laughs> with Jiva Goswami. <laughs> Pranams to Jiva Prabhu, you are totally right, but at the same time, give us permission to add something to the equation, which is the books, the Goswami Granta, are even more important for us than the Bhagavatam. Because, in one sense, of course, they are known different from the Bhagavatam. They're and 
for us the Bhagavatam, what is the Bhagavatam without the tikkas of the Goswamis? That's not our Bhagavatam. Because you can go to so many other sampradayas and they will explain the Bhagavatam through their own lens. I mean, you can even hear Bhagavat Saptaha by, by the followers of Sankaracharya. I was the other day. See, I was intrigued to see. Let's see how they, how they explain the Bhagavat huh? in, in monist terms, <laughs> and they did it. <laughs> so the point is, there's many Bhagavatas, if you will. The Bhagavat for, for the monists is one thing. The Bhagavat for the followers of Madhva, for the followers of Ramanuja, from the followers of Balava. So for us, the Bhagavat is the Goswami's commentaries on the Bhagavat on the Goswami's books written based on the Bhagavad. So it's an extension of the Bhagavad, but it's a particular type of Bhagavad through which the Goswamis are showing actually how Mahaprabhu himself embraced the Bhagavad. Because we know that Mahaprabhu embraced the Bhagavad in a very unique way as, again, the topmost Granta. And that embrace poetically speaking, that embrace that Mahaprabhu made to the Bhagavad, that's what we call Gaudiya Vedanta. You put Mahaprabhu, you put the Bhagavatam, make the two embrace each other, <laughs> the result of that is called Gaudiya Vedanta. And that's what the Goswamis have tried to, to articulate, mostly, in their writings. What happens with Mahaprabhu meets the Bhagavatam, basically. <laughs> Which is another way of saying what happens with Krishna Mitsrada, if you want to take the Bhagavatam as, as Krishna himself, he's not different from Bhagavan and Mahaprabhu as Krishna, but predominantly in the mood of Radha. So what happens with that clash is performed, that meeting is performed. Gaudiya Vedanta, you have a whole <laughs> system, a whole aesthetic, ecstatic system of penetration into transcendence. So, again, some brief words I wanted to share mostly today in the morning and trying mostly to to, lo- to locate the contribution of the Goswamis first and foremost as in connection to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself, what he is about. Again, in a brief way, each one of these points deserve a separate retreat. <laughs> Unfortunately, we have eternity for discussing all the things, so <laughs> there is time. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, basically today I want to establish this to begin with, you know, the, the foundation of the contribution of the Goswamis in connection to their master, Sri Chaitanya Dev, and how the Goswamis in themselves are a contribution in themselves, how Gaudiya Vedanta is the Goswamis, there's none different in one sense. They are not contributing to Gaudiya Vaishnavism, but they are Gaudiya Vaishnavism. <laughs> And we want to be part of that somehow. That's our hope and that's our fortune to be connected with such a realm, such a current. So, some ideas. I, I will like to stop here. We have some f- few minutes. If there's any question, we can leave some moments for questions and answers. So, yeah, uh, let me also unmute here in case someone from the ones online may have a question. You can present that or send it via written form or mute yourself. I just had a thought arising and uh, it was about the Swayam Bhagavan mm-hmm. term from Bhagavatam and how Prabhupada you mentioned says that Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead but that would be more like an Aishwarya way of seeing it 
I mean, obviously that's also what he is, but if his personality himself of Godhead, which in our eyes is him and Raj, totally naive about his existence as the Supreme, then wouldn't like another term be more fitting or... <laughs> I don't know, like, or some other way of thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to say discredit Prabhupada's no, vision no, no. But, or anything, but... Oh, you can imagine that, of course, that Guru Maharaj sometimes translates Swayam Bhagavan as God when God wants to be himself. Swayam, so more like himself. <laughs> when Bhagavan is himself. That, that will be a less Ajvaric way to put that. But at the same time, we have to understand, as, as our Guru Maharaj also said, you know, if there's something that Prabhupada mentioned over and over and over again, and I could remain saying an over for an hour, <laughs> among some other things is Krishna, the Supreme Personality of God. Every time he said Krishna, almost after that came the Supreme Personality of God. And you may feel, if you have some editorial sensibilities, you may think, this is too much. You can no need to repeat that every time. But there was a point he wanted to make at that time in establishing Gaudiya Vaishnavism in unknown land, which is Yes, he ultimately he's the carefree Dira Lalita, Nayaka, lover, boy, there, Lampata, and all the things you want. <laughs> but, I mean, for someone who has no clue about this conception, Aishwarya is required. Aishwarya is required. And, and, and at the same time, establishing the idea of for, that, for there to be Madhurya, Aishwarya has to be there. That's the point that uh, Vishwanachakavartakur makes in Raghavarma Chandrika. Vrindavan is the highest land of Madhurya, but there you will find more Aishwarya than in Vaikuntha. <laughs> because Madhurya can only happen with Aishwarya as its foundation. If you take out the Aishwarya and only leave Madhurya, that's ordinary sweetness, ordinary mukdata, what he will call, like ordinary, like a baby. A baby is charming, but Krishna as a baby is more charming, hopefully. <laughs> And uh, why? There two are babies. You will tell, no, because he's God. And despite he's God, he's behaving as a baby. So his Aishvarya makes the difference. The other baby may be charming, but not the charming because he's not God. So, so there was one some intention in making the point, Supreme Personality of Godhead. Um, but I will say, yeah, the, the expression includes the two things. No? I think Garuda Prabhu wrote one article some time back, I remember, analyzing the, the elements of Aishvarya and Madhurya in, in the expression, Supreme Personality of Godhead, was interesting. Because, yeah, on one side you have Supreme. Interestingly, you can do the word, I, I mean, Supreme for us has a connotation, but at least in Spanish it's Supremo or Suprema. So you can connect with Prem <laughs> and Su, Sudulava, Suprem. Supreme means there's lots of Prem there. No? <laughs> so there you lost all the Ishvarya there. No? You, 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 you go to the other idea of what's really supreme for us. No? Because, and Godhead sounds more Ishvaric, but personality, that speaks more of something else. No? Personality, individuality, himself, so I am. Yeah, there are semantics there, but there is a purpose to, to invoke in these different terms. So, Krishna Lila is not misconstrued as some ordinary stuff. So, Aishwarya has to be properly put in context. Yeah. 
Maharaj, you said that, uh, uh, or you explained very nicely how it needs to be the Manjaris who's, who, who spread the teachings of, mm-hmm. of Mahaprabhu. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really understand why it is Lalita and Vishakha who are there in the Gambhira mm-hmm. and not the Manjaris. You, you raised that question, but I didn't really understand the answer. Mm. Well, basically, the idea was that, again, I'm not presenting like a super conclusive thing, but it's just my own ongoing discussion and thinking on the term. One may think, okay, the Manjaris are more expert in knowing all the nuances of Radhavab, so why they are not they, the ones joining Mahaprabhu, and instead they are Lalit and Bisak. Of course, Lalit and Bisak are, are Lalit and Bisak, I mean, they are really <laughs> intimate uh, close friends to Sirada, so it's not that they are not, um, how do you say, familiar with Radhava. Mm-hmm. But uh, my main point was so much expertise is required in making such an experience known to the world, in presenting that. Again, that's my own inspiration, and I share with Guru Maharaj and he kind of said that's it. It is not. It may not be the only way of thinking about that, but that's a valid way. So it's so much, so much ex- expertise is required in translating that experience. That in this case, those closest to Radha were chosen for that instead of being the ones next to Krishna in, for him to have that experience. So the Goswamis were specially empowered. I mean, as sometimes we have said it's, it's not that they do not have the capacity to be there. You know, sometimes one Goswami did one thing that the other did not do, but it's not that the other one was incapable, just they were empowered for that particular task. So similarly, one could say they could have been also assisting Mahaprabhu therefore in the Gambira, but for some particular reason they were entrusted, entrusted to, to make this a systematic Again, for, for, for you to really explain what's that about, you have to really know that very well. So these managers are the ones who really know that very well. So they were entrusted to, to present that to the world. And Lalit and Bisaka, who nonetheless are really, I mean, Trirada's closest friends, they have a considerable capacity to assist Krishna in his project of tasting Radhabab. So that was basically the, the logic a little bit, no? What else? Some other question? Uh, there is one question here from Krisangi. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Krisangi. Yeah. So she's asking, Maharaj, I'm sorry, but I missed the embarrassing verse <laughs> that Rupa Goswami wrote about Mahaprabhu. Could you please share it again? Well, I'll never share it, actually. I mean, officially. Uh, I never, I never learned it by heart. Also in Sanskrit, I, I wanted, but somehow it's in the list, in the waiting list of shlokas. Do you know it, Brigupa? Kaumarya, Priyasoha. Yeah, but I, I, I have here the translation. Priyasoham. No, here it is. Yeah. Okay. Here it is. We'll share it, the full version for. So, uh, 
One second. So first, let me share the first verse, which is the one that, with this we will close today's assembly. The first secular poetry that Mahaprabhu was singing in the Rath Yatra, and then Rupa Goswami's translation of it, if you will. So the first one, he said, Jakumara harasa iva hivarasta iva chaitrakchapas tichon milita malati surabhaya proda kadambanila sachava chaibasmita tapitatra surata vyapara lila vidu rivaroda si vitasitarutali chitta samutkantati. So Mahaprabhu sang this in Rathiyatra. He said, That very personality who stole away my heart during my youth is now again my master. These are the same moonlight nights on the month of Chaitra. The same fragrance of multi-flowers is there, and the same sweet breezes are blowing from the Kadamba forest. In our intimate relationship, I am also the same lover. Yet, my mind is not happy here. I am eager to go back to that place on the bank of the Reva under the Betasi tree. That is my desire. But that's what Mahaprabhu sang in Rathiyatra, which may seem again like a song from a girl mm. lamenting in separation from his beloved and feeling something is not in place yet. So again, no one could understand and Rupa Goswami translated that experience with his own verse, which says like this, Priyasoham Krishna sahachari kurukshetra militas tataham sarada tadidam ubayo sangama sukam this verse is found in Madhya chapter 1, verse 76, as just in case of Sri Chaitanya Chaitanya. So this is a verse spoken by Shurada in Kurukshetra. Basically says, My dear friend, now I have met my very old and dear friend Krishna on this field of Kurukshetra. I am the same Radha, and now we are meeting together. It is very pleasant, but still, I would like to go to the bank of the Jamona, beneath the trees of the forest there. I wish to hear the vibration of his sweet flute playing the fifth note within that forest of Vrindavan. Shilarupa Goswami Prabhupada Ki, Sat Goswami Prabhu Ki, Shivan Mahaprabhu Ki, Sri Arinam Sankirtan Ki, Shilagurudev Ki, Tirubhav Mahot Shakti, Shilagupal Bhatta Goswami Mahasai Ki, Gaur Bhaktavrinda Ki, Gaur Praman, Hari Om.